Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Grace, peace, and joy be unto you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, this gospel lesson that we have for today is as challenging as any in Scripture. It's challenging because we identify the work of Jesus as that which is drawing us together in love, but here Jesus speaks of divisions between families. And this is, of course, where the rubber meets the road in living out our convictions about the kingdom of God, and the irony is that it's precisely the ethic of love and grace that calls us to love our neighbor that is what Jesus knows will ultimately be divisive in this world. God calls us to love our neighbor, but the devil is constantly telling us that we have to watch out for ourselves. Our neighbor is a threat. Our neighbor doesn't want the best for us, so why should we want the best for them? Jesus is warning his disciples here that to love your enemies is not always going to be a message that is well received. These are hard words to hear. They're hard when we stand divided from our families and friends on how we're called to love others. And it's challenging when we ourselves don't want to be loving to others, especially those different from us. The church itself has a checkered history at best when it comes to its consistency in practicing what it preaches. The church itself has been co-opted throughout history to be a vehicle that sowed seeds of division between people. But the actions of the church cannot negate the power of the words and the witness of Jesus Christ. In the end, Jesus is always standing tall as a witness to the love and peace and unity between people that comes at the cost of self-sacrifice and forgiveness. This is the way of Jesus. And eventually, it always wins the day in the church because at the end of the day, the resurrection power of Jesus is always at work through the Holy Spirit, refining us with fire and calling us to a better way. So because this can be such painful and challenging work at times to see beyond our prejudice, to see beyond our self-preservation, to see beyond our desire to not see the changes that will come as a cost to us in the name of God's justice, we need to be careful and deliberate in this work together as the church. And it is imperfect indeed, but still necessary work for the sake of witness in the world about the inbreaking of God's kingdom with love and mercy for all people. One of the ways that the church has done this over the years is to create collaborative statements of faith about tough social issues for the sake of teaching the way of Jesus and to spark dialogue in the church about how we personally address difficult questions of our faith. 
This is imperfect to be sure, and these statements have been a source of great consternation among some members of the church over the years, as these statements challenge some of the ways that we stand divided as people. So we do this work as carefully, thoughtfully, and collaboratively as we can. In our very first social statement, the ELCA said this about how we do this work together as a church and why it is important as part of our public witness as the church. This is an excerpt from that statement. We say, in witnessing to Jesus Christ, the church announces that the God who justifies expects all people to do justice. God's good and just demands address people in the obligations of their relationships and the challenges of the world. Through divine activity of the law, God preserves creation, orders society, and promotes justice in a broken world. God works through the family, education, the economy, the state, and other structures necessary for life in the present age. God institutes governing authorities, for example, to serve the good of society. The church respects the God-given integrity and tasks of governing authorities and other worldly structures while holding them accountable to God. The church must participate in social structures critically. Not only God, but also sin is at work in the world. Social structures and processes combine life-giving and life-destroying dynamics in complex mixtures and in varying degrees. The church, therefore, must unite realism and vision, wisdom and courage in its social responsibility. It needs constantly to discern when to support and when to confront society's cultural patterns, values, and powers. As a reconciling and healing presence, this church is called to minister to human need with compassion and imagination. It strives to pioneer new ways of addressing emerging social problems and environmental degradation. This church has a responsibility to mediate conflict and to advocate just and peaceful resolutions to the world's divisions. It should support institutions and policies that serve the common good and work with and learn from others in caring for and changing global society. As a prophetic presence, this church has the obligation to name and denounce the idols before which people bow, to identify the power of sin present in social structures, and to advocate and hope with poor and powerless people. When religious or secular structures, ideologies, or authorities claim to be absolute, the church says we must obey God rather than any human authority, from Acts chapter 5. And with Martin Luther, this church understands that to rebuke those in authority through God's word, spoken publicly, boldly, and honestly, is not seditious, but a praiseworthy, noble, and particularly great service to God. So throughout our history as a denomination, we have done this very careful work in social statements, and sometimes we also speak less holistically but more timely about particular issues in society that are currently challenging. And the challenge with these less authoritative but timely statements is that they can be less vetted and thus at times create more division when trigger words from our current political and social ar arena are employed. And this was the case at our recent churchwide assembly in Milwaukee. 
The churchwide assembly started directly on the heels of the shootings in Dayton and San Antonio and El Paso, sorry, and particularly with racially charged manifesto being a part of the shooting in Texas, emotions were running high at the assembly, and this violence against those most vulnerable in our society, along with the ongoing intractability of our immigration debate, with vulnerable children caught in the middle through unconscionable suffering, led the assembly to pass a statement that highlighted our commitment to immigrant and refugee communities. And the action that the assembly took built upon previous actions of the church-wide body. It was mostly a reaffirmation of ongoing work that's already happening across the church. The Lutheran Church is an immigrant church, and for over a hundred years we have stood again and again with immigrants and refugees. Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services, along with Catholic Social Services, are two Main, they are the two main resettlement organizations for refugees in our country. The main challenge of the declaration that we passed at the assembly was that it highlighted a word that, though thoroughly embedded in the tradition of the church, has been co-opted by secular political debate about immigration today. As a friend of mine, Michael Burke, who serves as a bishop in Iowa, reminds us, the vast majority of biblical references to sanctuary involve a place where God may dwell among God's people. When many people hear the term these days, he says, it stirs passions less because of the biblical warrant to welcome the stranger and to provide protection to the most vulnerable, and more because of the turmoil that divides individuals and groups when contending with a broken, often inhumane system instead of laws re related to immigration. The ELCA website, where you can read the entire statement, says this in introduction. It says, in its simplest form, becoming a sanctuary denomination means that the ELCA is publicly declaring that walking alongside immigrants and refugees is a matter of faith. Being a sanctuary denomination means that we, as church together, want to be public and vocal about this work. It will look different for everyone, but welcoming people is not a political issue for us. It is a matter of faith. These are challenging times where we are dealing with challenging issues. We will not agree on all things as families, friends, and as a church community. But we stay in the conversation. We continue to seek justice for all, because this is the way of Jesus. And we trust in the kingdom vision of Jesus where a place for all people at the table really means all people. All are welcome. All are loved. All are forgiven. All are made one by the love and mercy of Jesus poured out for us on the cross. This is the kingdom vision that shines through the division of our present towards the restored future that is to come. We pray for God to bless us with patience, understanding, and generosity towards those that see the world differently from us in this imperfect present, as together we seek God's vision for a world restored with grace and peace. Amen. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.